Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast, a series of interviews with key leaders throughout the industry, all brought to you by the Content and Media team at Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm. Welcome to the Content and Media Matters podcast. Your hosts today are me, Tegan Villaney, Managing Consultant, and Henry Johnson, Senior Consultant. And today we are really delighted to be joined by not just one, but two special guests from Harmonic, Tony Bertu and the Vice President of Sales and Services for APAC and EMEA, alongside Alexander Pugam, the Streaming Market Development Director for APAC and EMEA. Tony and Alex have both spent their career working within the broadcast and video streaming industry. Tony is currently leading the video streaming sales team across Amir and APAC, and in the past has held various senior leadership roles. Alexander, or Alex, is currently focused on leading business development within the streaming market across Amir and APAC, and prior to this has held senior positions across program, project management, and customer success. So a big welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. We are delighted to be with you today. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Henry, I'm going to um, hand over to you, um, who's going to time travel back to the past for our first section. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, Tegan. Um, and currently within the broadcast and media industry, talking points are heavily around fast monetization, the use of AI and content personalization. But Tony, I'd be keen to hear from you. How have you seen streaming change throughout your time in the industry? Well, yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it's it's been a, a long and very exciting journey, right? So yes, we we've been through a lot of uh, changes and and evolution. And I think the the first big evolution was the move from broadcast delivery to streaming delivery, and and I think this is a a very important one because this is when we move from um, sending delivering the same content to everyone through a broadcast network to sending a unique stream um, to, to each end user using streaming delivery. So it's a very important shift that has opened up a, a lot of new possibilities. It has created a lot of changes, created a lot of new services, and all of that at a very rapid uh, pace. So definitely we've witnessed, we have contributed to a lot of evolution. I would say if you look, um, to be very specific to your question, if you look at the streaming industry, when we started, it was predominantly characterized by on-demand content, VOD. Uh, however, over time, the landscape has evolved and shifted towards more live streaming. Uh, and we've seen, let's say, an, an explosion, a proliferation of uh, uh, OTT platforms across uh, across the world. What is really interesting is that um, there was, uh, in parallel, a real evolution in terms of quality of, of service and a real dramatic improvement in terms of uh, video quality, bringing uh, new resolution, higher resolution, like 4K or even more recently uh, 8K. So bringing a new, um, better user experience to, uh, to the audiences. And I think the best illustration or the best example of the success of, of, of streaming adoption is the fact that it's also applied now for the past couple of years uh, to what I believe is the most demanding application, live sports. Uh, and, and you have seen 
the usage of um, live streaming uh, for for the Super Bowl, for the World Cup, and and a lot of uh, different uh, different events. So that's that's definitely uh, an exciting journey, as I was saying. Another key point, I I believe, in terms of um, uh, streaming evolution, is the fact that the industry has become more globalized, with platforms and content reaching audiences worldwide. And again, really enabled by the the adoption of uh, streaming technologies uh, for the delivery of the content. And now, and and we will probably discuss that during the podcast today, because it's a very exciting topic, uh, we are entering a new phase, which, uh, which is basically a growing demand in terms of personalized content. And, and I think this is really exciting. And, and that's, that's, uh, that's something that, of course, at Harmonic, we, uh, we work a lot on. Um, and if you allow me, I mean, on that particular topic about the evolution of, of streaming, um, I just mentioned what has happened in terms of services uh, evolution. Um, but in addition to that, uh, what we have seen over the past 20 years is a real evolution in terms of technology and, and infrastructure. Uh, and if you look at Harmonic, the first big move was the move from uh, hardware to software in terms of what we developed and what we deployed for our customer. And then the biggest change uh, for Harmonic in the past, let's say, 10 years has been the transformation to SaaS and cloud. But it's not only just moving to cloud technology, it's also a massive organizational restructuring, uh, a rethinking of how we do business and how we collaborate together as, as a team. So it means a lot of um, adaptation in, in the way we develop our product, in, in our back office, and of course, in the way we engage with our customers when we sell and, and when we support and we make our customers successful. So it took us you know, a few years to actually uh, get there, pioneering cloud-native technology uh, when it comes to video. Uh, and, and, and you know, we started early. And, and I think right now, we really dominate this market. And, and we are very successful. So it's been, it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, and, and, and for sure, there is more to come. <laughs> Oh, no, completely. That is fascinating to hear as well. And um, you started to touch on it already there, which is brilliant. And we've seen the industry make this significant shift to SaaS-based models. And with this in mind, we're curious to understand how has this transition specifically impacted broadcasters across the years? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a very important transformation, definitely, as I, as I just mentioned. So it has been very transformative for for the broadcasters. And I will say, in fact, for the entire media and entertainment industry, the the content providers, the broadcasters, uh, the the service providers, it it has provided them with a greater flexibility and scalability in their operations. We we started at Harmonic back in 2015, 2016 to deploy um, our cloud native solutions, right? And, And I think the the initial driver was really the, the launch of video streaming services um, because w- when customers started to launch uh, OTT at scale, um, they needed to have the flexibility. They needed to have a solution that will allow them uh, to deploy fast and, and, and to um, also have a flexible business model because a lot of these platforms, when they started, 
they didn't want to spend too much when they start and they wanted to have a flexible business model that will allow them to to pay as they use so they could test different type of services and 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 maybe fail some of them and and start new ones and and i think uh, SaaS in particular has really enabled that but what i feel really interesting is that uh, after this first wave of adoption of cloud and SaaS for OTT, um, the, the pandemic hit the world, right? I mean, COVID happened, right? And in in a way, it has also given a booster to the cloud adoption because with pretty much everybody working from home, um, there was a real need for an efficient um, remote work solution, in particular for remote production. And so this has accelerated the adoption of SaaS and cloud, bringing benefits like uh, work remotely. And, and when we did exit the pandemic, let's say in 2021, what we have seen is that uh, our customers and the broadcasters in particular to your question, uh, really got used to, to, to cloud and to SaaS and expanded the usage uh, of, of SaaS and cloud to new applications and in particular, um, for broadcast workflow. So we've seen the adoption of, of, of SaaS for, for playout, but also for more traditional broadcast workflow when you have encoding and statistical multiplexing and delivery over broadcast networks. So real convergence uh, here. But I, I think, Alex, you are right, right in the middle of it, right in your, in your role as, as, as business development for, for video streaming and, and SaaS in particular. Um, I mean, can you just elaborate a little bit more on, on, on the real benefits for, for the broadcasters and, and, and the operators when they, they, they adopt uh, cloud technologies and SaaS? So. Sure. I think you explained well that it was quite a transformative journey for us, but it's been also for the broadcasters, content owners, operators, moving to cloud native technology and to SaaS. I think the primary benefit is that don't spend a lot of time on infrastructure and you can really focus on what matters for your end customer, which is the content and the user experience. So shifting your bright engineers to where it really matters, that's, that's, that's the, main, uh, the main big benefit. I think, as you said, Tony, it brings flexibility, agility. We used to say fail fast, succeed even faster. Um, and, and also the fact that you, you can try new offerings, new products, uh, since the SaaS is pay-per-use, so you don't need big upfront capital investment. You don't need to ship equipments, wire them, commission them. It's just there. It's, it's, it's usable. We've deployed huge platforms, especially sports OTT platforms like for the baseball in the US, for the World Cup um, end of last year in a matter of weeks. That is not possible if you need to forecast your storage uh, the hardware you need to buy and 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 ship everything and, and commission everything, so it's it's also a much faster time to market and also time to innovation because updates are more simple, and and you get the latest and brightest uh, innovation that your partners can can are building for other uh, broadcaster operator. So faster time to market, faster time to innovation, and and also a drive to more personalization because a lot of the Add ecosystem and personalized ecosystem is in the cloud. So that shift to cloud native tech and shift uh, really helped on that front. And finally, I think that the most important is really scalability. When you need to stream to tens of millions of concurrent users, 
If you do it on-prem, you need to forecast for that peak. You need to buy a lot of hardware that will be used just for those two hours of a soccer game. And then at 2 a.m., no one is using that. So using the almost um, uh, unlimited scalability of the cloud um, powers some, some really cost savings, high cost savings. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing, Alex. And the speed element to it, I think, is the one that I think is the most exciting when you take a step back and you think about it. Um, but taking a bit of a sidestep here um, and digging a bit more into your personal lives, um, <laughs> we'd be keen to know, um, Tony, what or who has been the biggest influence on your career? Well, wow, that's 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 an interesting question. And, um, you know, I, I've had the privilege to of, of working with you know, a lot of very talented people. I mean, some have been mentors, colleagues, and 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 managers. So you know, they they helped me, they guided me, they some of them inspired me, right? So it's um it's not easy to actually pick one in particular because I think they all contributed to um to make me who I am today as 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 a manager, as a leader in in in, in the industry in the company. Is it Alex? And Alex has contributed a lot. Yes, definitely, <laughs> of course. But but I'm I'm going I'm going to pick one, and it's not Alex. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you 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 know uh, one that I'd like to pick in particular is my first manager when I moved to sales. I mean, originally I I'm coming from a technical background. I was doing sales engineering, and and I moved to sales early in my career. And my first manager really who, who basically hired me, right? Um, he really helped me to transform. Uh, and he patiently coached me, gave me something that is really important from my point of view. It's a base, it's a foundation. Um, and, and, and you know, the, the, key, the key things that are important in terms of business, uh, the central importance of the customer satisfaction, uh, the right understanding of the business challenges and opportunities, the right methodology also when it comes to sales, right? When you when you work in business, when you work with customers, and obviously also the right sense of uh, business ethics. And, and I'm mentioning it because like, you know, any activity we do, like playing the guitar or, or playing basketball, um, your base, your foundations are, are super important uh, for your future success, right? It, it, it will determine a big part of how you grow and how good you do, right? And I think that's that's the reason why I say it's probably one of the biggest influences. Uh, and and really, uh, it, it shaped me at the beginning and helped me to uh, to uh, to become who I am uh, right now in the uh, on the organization. But uh, I mean, and, and Alex obviously contribute a lot uh, a lot to that <laughs> as well. But Alex, please <laughs> share also about uh, the biggest influence on your career. <laughs> Um, I might not choose one, but a few. Uh, and so in, in a few weeks, I'm actually going to celebrate my 10 years anniversary in the company. Wow. Uh, congrats. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and I think I've been very fortunate to work with uh, brilliant people from customers. Um, like I've been working quite a lot uh, for three years, I believe, with Sky Group in, in, in Europe, helping them build their, their, their new cloud-native uh, platforms, OTT platforms. And uh, it was very challenging, but I, I learned a lot. Um, so from challenging and, and, and uh, cutting-edge customers to our leaders, 
in Chile that uh, taught me how to do business, how to handle customer relationships, how to manage a team, how to grow as a, as an individual. Um, I have a few names in mind. I have uh, my previous boss, Shahar Barr, SVP of Corporate Development, our VP Marketing, Eric Gali, and of course, Tony, with whom I've been working with for a year and a half now, across a quite big region that is EMEA and APAC. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've been like... Uh, a sponge for 10 years, uh, absorbing all the knowledge, yeah. observing all the soft skills and trying to adapt them that to my to my own style. So it's been challenging, sometimes very challenging. But in the end, when I look back, I see I see a lot of growth uh, personally and professionally. Oh, great to hear. Um, thank you both so much. And that now takes us to the end of our section on the past. And I'm going to hand over to Tegan, who's going to discuss a little bit more about the present day. Oh, thanks, Henry. Um, and actually, you've begun to touch on this a little bit when we've been discussing fast and AI. Um, Tony, I'd be really keen to hear from you. At the moment, September 2023, what trends are you currently seeing and noticing within the content and media industry? Yeah, that's, well, you know, a lot of things are happening at the moment. So we are we are definitely observing several key trends, and 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 as Harmonic, uh, we we contribute to those key trends, right? So one one of the very important points is that the industry has become more globalized, um, with platforms and content reaching audiences worldwide right some are regional some are really worldwide operations and and we do see um a, a very growing appetite for premium content so i was mentioning that at the beginning of of the discussion right the the move to higher resolution 4k 8k um but 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 also a, a real demand for more personalized experience um at multiple level, right? Personalized experience in terms of linear television, but also the the, the targeted ads uh, capability to to actually generate extra revenue stream. And I think the best example to illustrate that again, it's the adoption uh, of of these different trends uh, on the sports streaming side. There is, you know, a surge for for higher video quality, uh, higher resolution. Uh, obviously, at the same time, because we deliver to wider audience, we need to to compress more and to deliver at the lower bandwidth. Um, we, we want also to deliver a lower latency uh, in order to basically uh, get the content as quickly as possible to um, to the audience. And there are also a number of new user experience created by sports organization. Um, I mean, typically addressing uh, their, their fan base with different type of content, form, some form, repurposing the content. So to me, if you look at what is really key uh, at the moment in terms of trends in, in the content and media industry, I would say first personalization is at the forefront um, with really viewers expecting tailored content, um, expecting recommendation, uh, and 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 basically also targeted advertising, and, and you know many people, customers or partners are asking me regularly if I believe linear television is dead, and and from my point of view that's not the case at all, um, but I'm also very convinced that the linear TV experience 
will evolve toward a more personalized experience. And, and what enables it is basically the adoption of video streaming technologies. Because as I said at the beginning, if you are on a broadcast network, everybody gets the same content. But when you move to video streaming delivery, then you enable a unique stream for each subscriber or each viewers. And, and, you, and this is how you basically enable the personalization. So for me, that's, that's really the first key trend. Um, the other trend that for me is really important in terms of service is to build a better and more engaging user experience. So there are two examples. On one side, uh, we work with customers to, to better connect uh, what we call the lean back experience, so which is typically the linear TV, and, and the lean forward experience, which is more the, the on-demand experience. And, and to make sure that it's not two separate experiences, but it's one. And, and, and you can easily, as a viewer, toggle between the two worlds, right? The linear TV and the on-demand, the, the lean back and the lean forward experience. So that's I think it's a good example of evolution of, uh, of the user experience. Another example that we've been working on with multiple customers, it's the creation of watch together experiences uh, and especially coming back to sports, that's a very nice application. Uh, it, it creates also a very good fan engagement. Uh, so it has, it has a lot of, uh, of value. So I think this is something really, um, really important. Um, and, and, you know, to pick maybe two more trends that are important and, and and you know IBC is around the corner, right? So so we will be discussing them. One one is definitely the rise of uh, a fast free ad supported television. Um, you know, making the content distribution, the access to the content uh, even more diverse. Um, and also uh, a focus, maybe another another key trend is a focus on on the quality of service. Um, I've mentioned that a couple of times, but really making sure that uh, the quality of service um, delivered to the audience uh, keeps improving. So again, better video quality, lower latency, uh, and, and adoption also of more immersive um, technology like, like VR, virtual reality, or even augmented reality. Again, that that's, that's extremely important in terms of uh, of quality of experience more than just quality of service in terms of quality of uh, of uh, of experience. So, yeah, that's what I will actually highlight as as some of the key trends right now in the uh, in the content and media industry. Yes, definitely. Brilliant. And Alex, as video streaming and, and fast channels are, are are continually on the rise, we all know that's had a huge impact on the streaming industry. But I'd be keen to know your thoughts on on how in particular you see the impacts. So so we all see it with the, the, the big names that are now available globally. So I think really breaking those geographic barriers was one of the first things. But we've seen it also with some of our more traditional customers, um, operators, broadcasters that are expanding to other regions. We see it in Europe, we see it in APAC. And that means more competition. Everywhere you go, there is more competition. So traditional broadcasters, they face new challenges because there is a drive to on-demand and ad-supported platforms. Um, and with FAST especially, now you have people that have content, content owners that can go direct to their consumer without going through 
intermediates and, and usual traditional TV networks, they can go direct to their consumers. Um, and that has prompted also in race to, as, as Tony was saying, more quality content, more quality and, and better user experience, which makes it harder to access also those premium films and premium live events because they are much more costly. Um, and yes, this third thing I would mention is, as Tony mentioned as well, personalization, um, but mostly to, re to retain those subscribers that are hard to pick and to keep them engaged. So that happens through um, content recommendation, targeted ads, targeted content. Um, and um, what other impact? The different variety of monetization strategies. Um, we've come from a lot of pay TV networks to freemium offers and to fully ad supported like fast uh, offerings. Um, I think really targeted ads is behind the, is the most uh, uh, the biggest revenue source for for fast channels. So it needs to be targeted. It needs to be dynamic to create possible revenue streams for those content providers and broadcasters. And that drove a lot of technology improvements: more uh, higher VQ, lower latency, more interactivity with chats, online pools, um, with uh, uh, different types of uh, AR, VR and really a drive to provide a, as good as possible uh, user experience. I think personalization uh, could be something that we're discussing a lot in Amsterdam uh, uh, next week. And, and with IBC around the corner, Tony, um, are you at all able to give us a teaser in uh, yeah. for what you can expect from Harmonic, <laughs> if that's okay? Of course, we are more than happy to do that. Yeah, it's, it's really around the corner. So, I mean, you can obviously expect to see harmonic showcasing our latest innovations, right? So we'll we'll be unveiling uh, some exciting uh, solutions addressing, you know, the, the current industry challenges and and the trend that um, we've just discussed today, right? So so there will be things around content personalization a lot. Uh, there will be things related um, to the advanced monetization. So typically. Um, how we can do targeted advertising, or even how can we do targeted brand insertion. Um, and there will be things that are a little bit more related to the core technologies, uh, related to you know how we use AI for video compression, related to the low latency, and, and all of that contributing to um, an, an enhancement of the quality of experience for the users uh, and the quality of service uh, overall. Um, we will have some game-changing announcement, but I want Alex actually to uh, to give you um yeah kind of a snapshot, right? A, a preview of uh, of the key demos that we will be uh, that we will be showing at IBC. So Alex, if you can just uh, browse through uh, quickly what what, what we're going to show next week. Yeah. Sure. So we, we we talked about a move from broadcast to streaming. So there will be a lot of streaming demos innovation, but there are also um, uh, and still a lot of our customers that are having broadcast deliveries, the broadcast distribution workflows. So all of those um, uh, things that are happening on-prem and in the cloud, we're still supporting them. So broadcast streaming workflows and innovation related to live sports streaming, for example, um, low latency, we talked about it in UHD with targeted ads in the same, in, in the same platform, broadcast grade playout with complex graphics, and StatMux for broadcast distribution and OTT distribution as well in the same SaaS and in the cloud. 
Um, and we mentioned that name personalization. Yes, there will be a strong emphasis on personalization and AI uh, with a few partners. So we're going to showcase the automatic creation and update of fast channels with our partner Speedio. The automated VOD and live uh, asset segmentation for ad break insertion, which is a strong request from the market with our partner Ignify. We also have some more personalization on the ad level, on the content level, even in the video, we've, with our partner Myriad, we're able to insert virtual product placement inside the video. And finally, I think we have um, um, a great announcement around what we do, uh, and that's a spoiler alert, uh, with uh, Microsoft and OpenAI on automated live transcript and summary generation for sports content. Wow, such spoilers. It's going to be a party. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I know there'll be good coffee with you guys as well. So uh, <laughs> you hear it here first. Oh, amazing. Wow. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. Um, bring it on this time next week. In fact, we will all be there. My feet will be plastered up and ready to go. Um, Tony, we, we've seen the topic of, of targeted ads coming up more and more and more. And I'd like to know what are some of the benefits for the broadcasters and also for the content providers of enhancing ad personalization? Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a very important topic. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's related to um, to money making, right? It's it's a very important revenue generation for many of our customers. So um, it definitely triggers a lot of interest and attention from the, the 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 content providers and the broadcast on one side, but also the advertisers. So it's it's really a very big trend in the industry. And at Harmonic, we have been investing um, on on developing solutions related to targeted ads um, for many years already. We've deployed very large platform worldwide. Um, you may have seen some announcement at NAB for VOS 360 ad. Uh, as Alex just mentioned, there will be more to come um, at IBC. So if, if you look at the, at the benefits uh, to, to the broadcasters, I would say that enhanced ad personalization really benefit both the broadcasters and the content providers because it allows them to really deliver more relevant ads to the viewers. And, and that means it's also increasing the ad engagement um, because it's more focused, it's more targeted. And as a consequence for them, uh, it creates more revenue potential. So, so it's definitely a very strong um, benefit. Um, and, and again, if you look at the advertiser side, right, and the brands, um, by targeting the user, you are able to collect and, and therefore to analyze more viewer data. So you, you can, as an advertiser, as a brand, working with the content providers and the broadcasters or, or the service operator as well, you can really tailor um, your campaign to some specific demographics, um, some specific communities, some, some regions, obviously, uh, some particular interest. And, and obviously the result uh, as, as a brand, as an advertiser, is that um, you get a higher conversion rate? So definitely a very strong, a very strong benefit. So I would say uh, this personalized approach, the targeted ads uh, approach, not only improves the viewer experience, but it also maximizes 
the ad revenue for the broadcasters and the content providers. And it enhances, it improves um, the conversion rate for the advertisers and the brand. So that's really, it's a very important topic. And again, it's, it's, it's a revenue generating topic for our customers. And it's definitely important. And that's why we do invest uh, significantly in that uh, in that space to, to help our customer be be more efficient and be be more targeting uh, in terms in terms of content and, and ads. So very important topic. And again, something uh, you will see a lot at IBC on, on our booth. Brilliant. And um, very timely because the Rugby World Cup kicks off uh, right where you are, Tony, tonight. In fact, are you going to any any of the games? No, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I'd love oh. to. I'd love to, but I'm not. So I think it's going to be on TV soon. only. It's going to be streaming, so that's yeah, good. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it's very timely because that kicks off tonight, and our topic that matters is sports streaming. Um, so Henry, um, I'm going to pass straight over to your good self. Oh, thank you, Tega. And to set the scene and give a bit of context, we know that sports streaming has really revolutionised how fans access and engage with their favourite sports. And whether this is from live coverage, on demand, subscribers can now watch their matches on multiple devices. And this digital transformation has really ushered in a new era of sports consumption. And we know Harmonic is really shaping the future of this. So Alex, I'd be keen to understand how does Harmonic address low latency requirements for sports streaming, specifically for live events? So <clears throat> if I enter into the details, it's using advanced compression algorithm like CMAF. If I look back, uh, from our perspective, low latency is not new. It's something that we have deployed at scale. Um, for example, for the World Cup, we had a customer, one of our biggest customers in Brazil, that did use low latency and stream in a matter of a few seconds, around six, seven seconds overall latency to 1.3 concurrent viewers. Um, so it's it's there, it's deployed at scale, it's, it's field proven. And just for, for the anecdotes, in, in Brazil, there were two OTT ride buyers. So there was our customer that I cannot mention and another OTT platform. So you've seen half of the Brazilian OTT viewers were seeing the goals 20, 30 seconds before the other half. So that low latency now becomes a huge differentiator and a huge added value for the, the overall user experience. And so that is there. It's field proven, it's deployed. What we have been working on throughout the last one or two years is to put that to the next level. So have low latency applicable to UHD content and also um, to targeted ads in the same workflow, which makes it very complicated because you have micro seconds video chunks and being able to couple that with uh, server side insertion is very complex. And this is, this is what we showcase at NAB. This is what we will present with other added innovations at, at IBC. And overall, we are able to reach five, six seconds of low latency with uh, HD content. So from the stadium to your screen, Henry, and with UHD is uh, overall seven, eight seconds. So it, it really brings it very close to broadcast traditional latencies. Understood. And I mean, continuing on from Alex, bit of a broad question for you here. Um, why is it that Harmonic excels when it comes to delivering live sports streaming at scale? What a question. 
<laughs> I think it, it comes back to what Tony explained at the beginning. We started that cloud journey 2015-2016, and it was a big journey. It was a a, a lot of learnings, a lot of um, transformational changes in in our teams. And it made us also have to cope with failures in the cloud. Um, because today, every day, we have more than 40,000 um, instances in the cloud. Every day, we're losing some nodes. So we need to build and design our architecture around those node failures. And so we built sophisticated geo-redundancy architecture that now we deploy for every premium content, especially live sports. And that enables us to achieve the highest uptime. And I can take a, a few examples for Peacock, uh, beginning of last year. We helped them stream the Super Bowl and the EPL and the Olympics at the same time to seven, eight million concurrent users without any issue because we have those geo-redundancy architectures, sometimes multi-cloud, most of the time multi-CDN. And uh, the other example I can take is the World Cup end of last year, the FIFA World Cup. We actually deployed four instances of our SaaS geosync. So you had one in Latin, one in the US geosync one in EMEA, one in APAC Geosync, to make sure that if there are any issue, there will be redundancy and there will be no impact on, on the stream that, that, that we see. And that how we, that's how we, we achieve 100% uptime and, and no failure. So it's a mix between, to come back to your question, experience, design, and real cloud native technology. I think when you hear the statistics of the viewership, I think wow is the the word that comes to mind from me. And um, Tony, handing over to you here, um, can you sure. explain how some harmonic supports some monetization strategies for sports content? Yeah, and that's that's uh, again as I said before, right? The the targeted ads in particular, and and um, and and the creation of revenue and and, and value thanks to ad, it's definitely something very important, right? So, so we we are coming from let's say a world where a lot of the sports were exclusively based on subscription, right? Um, but we do see a lot of uh, either the sports organization or, or the, the service operator, right? The, 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 the pay TV operators uh, offering uh, freemium options in addition to their traditional subscription-based model, right? So... Um, we, we do offer a range of monetization tools, basically. So when it comes to uh, a subscription-based package, then we will come up with content protection solution that we will integrate with, uh, with our partners. When it comes to um, a, a freemium option, right, that is ad-supported, then we will provide our dynamic ads insertion solution. Um, so by, by enabling the targeting advertising, and, and by ensuring the secure content delivery that enables, as an example, the uh, um, the, the subscription-based model, we we help uh, sports broadcasters, operators to maximize the revenue stream and to have basically two options for monetization: the subscription and the targeted ads. Um, and and in addition to to basically providing the, the technology enabling the monetization. Um, our solution also provide valuable insight into viewer behavior, uh, allowing the content providers to really fine tune their monetization strategies for better results. So I was mentioning before the importance of targeted ads and how it helps to basically 
profile the viewers and be more efficient in the way you deliver the ads. Um, well, globally, when you get data, you will be able to optimize your overall strategy, both on the subscription-based platform and on the ad-supported platform, and basically have a nice hybrid approach leveraging the two types of monetization. So we, we bring the technologies that basically enable this type of monetization for sports, but for basically any kind of, um, of, of uh, content delivery applications. Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing, Tony. And as sports continues to grow, it puts Harmonic in such a fantastic position for that. And I'm going to hand over to Tegan for our next section. Oh, thank you, Henry. Um, diversity and inclusion is such an important uh, topic and um, something that we always want to highlight um, on our podcasts. Tony, you've got a lot of experience leading large global teams. What in in your mind are some of the benefits of having a diverse workforce? Sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, extremely important. Um, I am a, a strong believer that the more diverse the team is, the more we can achieve together. And um, if you allow me, there is a quote that I really like from Helen Keller, right? She said once, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. And and oh. this is this is really true because our success is really all about teamwork. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, uh, a diverse workforce really bring a multitude a multitude of perspectives and and ideas to the table. It it really it fosters creativity, uh, it fosters innovation, and and as we have team members from different backgrounds. Um, we, we can basically approach and, and challenges with different viewpoints. Um, so for me, this is really very important. So if you look at, at Harmonic, right, our team includes um, a wide array of, of, of trades, cultures, experiences, and that's really what makes the, the natural diversity of, of Harmonic. Um, so collaborating with uh, team members coming from different backgrounds, um, bringing different, again, standpoints, um, allows us to be more creative, um, obviously to be more inclusive, uh, and I think eventually to be more successful as, as a team. And, and I will say in that context, something else really matters to me as a manager. It's the feeling of belonging in the company. And, and in a team, um, for me, that's the basis of inclusion. It's really about giving an equal chance to everyone uh, to be heard, to, to, to participate, to contribute, um, and especially those who might have been marginalized otherwise. So inclusion is really the courtesy to listen to each other. Uh, and I really want to make sure that uh, all employees' ideas are considered, that everyone's suggestions are incorporated into the decision-making process. Um, and, and my view is that ultimately, uh, a diverse team is better equipped to tackle complex global challenges um, and, and, and also to basically serve uh, a diverse customer base very efficiently. Um, so it's, it's for me something... Uh, really important and, and as i said i really want to give 
I, I really want everyone to be given the same opportunity to to contribute, to grow in the organization, uh, to be fairly compensated, and this is this is how we achieve, uh, uh, you know, diversity, equity. It's all about fairness, respect, and dignity. That's uh, that's that's very important. Uh, it's uh, it's something that is a, a key topic for me for Harmonic as a company. Um, that's that's uh, that's definitely extremely important. Helen Keller, what a woman! And you're right. Everybody wants to belong. Ultimately, that that's what human beings all are. No pun intended, but we all long for that, right? Right. Um, Alex, across your career. How have you seen attitudes to diversity and inclusion change? I think that Tony said it all. Uh, we <laughs> it's actually build, building an inclusive workforce. Workforce is 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 in our objective of the year. It's what uh, our CEO just uh, went through that uh, during our last company meeting. It's something that we are really tracking. So, bringing awareness to our teams about that topic, education, and, and bringing it to hiring practices as well. And I yeah. think it's always been in our DNA to, to be in a multicultural group, uh, respectful of differences and welcoming. I would really struggle going back to a French French firm. It's, uh, it's really enriching working with so many different people. Um, and how, how has I've seen attitude change? Well, mine, um, working with Tony on the APAC region, I had to learn um, how to show respect to certain uh, in certain countries because I, I didn't have the code. So uh, yeah, it goes through uh, a lot of learnings, education and awareness. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for that. And Henry, I think you've got uh, one final question to, to sneak in before we wrap things up. Oh, thank you, Tegan. And we'll take this one by one. Um, but we have touched on it a little bit already when we started asking you about some of your career influences. Um, but taking it back to your personal lows, um, we'd love to know a little bit about more. Um, what would your ideal weekend look like, Tony? Uh -huh. <laughs> well, you know, I um, I travel a lot, right? Um, so I, I travel for business, right? Between between Europe and, uh, and Asia Pacific. So I like to have um, a restful weekend um, at home, but in particular, I'm a very big fan of uh, of water sports. Um, so I love to spend the weekend um, by the water, either seaside or lake, and enjoying any kind of uh, of water sport. So that's really a, a very good um, a, a very good part of. Uh, of the weekend for me when when I have time to relax a little bit so that's that's important and you know that's that's um that's something that I can do pretty much everywhere even when I travel so that's that's an important one. <laughs> oh fantastic and Alex what about you? I think I'm kind of preparing the perfect weekend for this one because it was <laughs> starting with uh sports I will do some sports this afternoon uh it's it's actually sun shining so I might go surf because I'm, I'm living by the coast and then we have the first game of the World Cup. So first, sports friends to watch the game. Um, and then probably tomorrow I have some friends coming over and we'll go walk by the, the coast. It's beautiful here in Brittany with the family, with my wife and kids. And then tomorrow evening, the best for the end, we have a, a, a big electronic music festival. 
because I love electronic music and I'm, yeah. I'm a DJ, so so there will be a lot of partying as well in the weekend. Yeah. That's enough, uh, wrap up a perfect mix, and then Sunday yeah. rest the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in for one more. That sounds incredible. Like it too, Tegan. <laughs> I know. I think France could have a very good World Cup. England, I'm not so sure. My, let's not talk about that. Thankfully, my dad's side of the family are all Welsh, so I'll be cheering Wales on uh, very <laughs> this year. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, that takes us to the end of our podcast recording today. Alex, Tony, thank you both so much for your time, and we're really looking forward to seeing you at IBC. Exactly. Yeah. Looking you. forward to seeing you at IBC, and uh, thanks a lot for having us today. That was great. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.nuco-group.com. That's N-E-U-C-O-group.com.